Welcome to Tales from the Dance Floor, a podcast exploring the lives and times of people from all walks of life who followed their passions and made careers out of DJing, producing, parties, dance culture, and the music industry. I'm Phil Morse from Digital DJ Tips. Let's get started. I'd like to welcome Sam, DJ EJ. No, Sam, before we go any further. <laughs> How are you doing? You all right? I'm very good, my friend. Explain DJ EJ, because that's going to lead us into a very, very, very cool thing that's at the heart of what you do. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I do try and swerve away from putting DJ at the front of it, because it does sound so cheesy, doesn't it? DJ <laughs> EJ. Um, well, let's call you EJ from now on, yeah, or just Sam, yeah, right? Yeah, but... either, either or. I'm, I'm not fussed. Um, yeah, EJ, God, in my, my alter ego, um, which has been fun, which has been the last five years of my life. Um, I started working with Formula E, which is the Electronic Race Championship, um, which uh, is pretty much, I mean, the easiest way to describe it if people don't know what it is. It's Formula One, but all the cars are battery powered. So I started working with them beginning of 2014 before they even had a car, before they even had a, a, a race. And they didn't know what sound the cars were going to make. They wanted music to play a massive role within the championship. Um, so along with one of the, a crazy inventor who I've worked with for, for a very long time, uh, older guy, but um, he was already working with Formula E and had this vision that, you know, we, we, we should have a, a symbolic DJ to, to, to be the, the head of music, if you like, for the championship. So I came on board and created EJ, um, which, uh, who, who is the resident DJ for Formula E. And I travel around the world um, playing tunes to, tunes to very fast cars, racing around very nice city centre location racetracks. It's pretty cool. That is, that is incredible. Uh, and we're going to talk a lot more about kind of how this all happened. But just for people who haven't heard of Formula E, how big a deal is it? How many cities? How long does it does each season last, if season's the right word? You know, how does it work? Yeah, so we, we're going into season six. So we start back in season six in uh, on the back end of November. Um, so we've, we've just had five seasons. When we first started, um, we I think we had nine cities, and now we're up to 13 cities. Uh, those cities include Hong Kong, London, New York, Santiago, Mexico City, uh, Berlin, Rome, um, it really does move all, all, all over the place. And, you know, when, when Formula E first started, a lot of naysayers, mainly people from, from you know, avid motorsport fans said, no, we don't get it, it's electric cars, it's not, um, you know, this, this is never going to last, it's not, it's not the future. Whereas actually, if you look at what's happening on the road at the moment and all of the, the car manufacturers saying that they're going to go fully electric or hybrid, um, it, you know, it's, it's a big, big deal. And Alejandro Gag, who's the CEO, he was, um, you know, he, he, he saw that happening and, um, and, and has managed to put together an incredible race championship that now has all of the major car manufacturers involved from Jaguar, Audi, Mercedes and Porsche who are joining, Mercedes and Porsche joining this season. Uh, we've got Renault, Nissan, uh, Dragon, Mahindra, uh, all of the big guys, and then and then some fantastic racing drivers as well, from Lucas Degrassi, um, Sebastian Buemi, Sam Bird. I mean, the list is uh, list is endless, and it's just getting more and more exciting. It's picking up more and more traction. So, I mean, it's in- incredible to be involved with and and to be there from the start as well, and 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 see it grow. So you must absolutely feel like you've landed on your feet here. You're touring all around the world, DJing. 
it's really cool. There's cars. There's a reason to be there. It's not just kind of random. It's kind of all organized. And you're providing the soundtrack. And you said there was an inventor. Tell us about why <laughs> yeah. you were working with an inventor. Uh, so, I mean, he, 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 I don't think he'll mind me telling who, who, who he is on this one. It's a guy called Chris Taylor. Um, and he was one of the original investors into Formula E. Um, his brothers invested into the Virgin Race team. Um, and they also in, uh, invested into the championship itself. And uh, he comes from very much a brand background um, who has invented toys. Um, they, uh, he's actually, between him and his brothers, built Metropolis Studios in Chiswick. That would be very uh, relevant to, uh, to you guys. Um, that uh, big, big recording studios in Chiswick where the likes of Queen, um, uh, who else? Queen, Michael Jackson, um, Adele, they've all recorded there. And uh, massive old um, uh, like factory building uh, just off Chiswick High Street, and they, uh, they they converted it into a recording studio. So, I mean, he's been involved with music, he's been involved with brands, he's been involved with toys. Um, I mean, I don't know whether you remember, and this is going back to the 80s now, but there was a kid's toy called Polly Pocket, um, which was very, very popular in the 80s, and uh, and he was responsible for that mon- amongst a, a load of other a load of other toys. So, uh, absolutely incredible guy to work with, and has been kind of a uh, a real mentor to me over the last five years, not only through through the brand side of stuff, but also in life um, and um, and and ideas and new projects and new businesses. So I, I feel really honoured to to have been able to to have been able to work alongside him and still and still work alongside him. So this is kind of interesting because I'm presuming that um, this is kind of how you originally got into this whole DJing with a with a with a race team, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, so I was at Ministry of Sound. I'd been head of events at Ministry of Sound. Well, worked my way up to head of events at Ministry of Sound, um, and I'd been there for ten years. So, I mean, I'd gone through the the run of it really at Ministry, from street promotion to to running their student nights to um, to then start working on the events team, and then slowly working my way up to to the uh, to to head of events before I left. Um, so. Formula E came in for an original meeting with Ministry of Sound, wanting Ministry of Sound to be their brand that that, that sort of was the umbrella brand for their after parties, if you like, and big concerts. And I was, you know, being head of events at the time, um, met the right people through Formula E. Unfortunately, it didn't work out between Formula E and Ministry of Sound, but I absolutely loved what Formula E were doing. And, uh, and, and you know, and... and I'd been at ministry for 10 years. That was a long time. It was time to move on. Saw an opportunity with Formula E and, uh, and thought, you know what, that is, that sounds very interesting. That sounds very exciting. Let's give it a go. And here we are. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of jealous people listening now thinking <laughs> that's definitely right place, right time. It is right place, right time. And it's massively right place, right time. Um, I was, I was very, very lucky. You know, that could have been anybody else sitting there. Um, and, I, and I firmly believe, you know, that, that, that everybody has an opportunity of right place, right time, and you just need to be brave enough to, to take it. I mean, I, when, when I actually handed in my notice at ministry, I didn't actually know whether, whether I was going to be going to, to Formula at the time. I just, you know, I just thought, no, you know what? I'm going to chuck everything up in the air. I'm going to give it a go. And what will be, will be. And, uh, you know, if you give yourself those sort of chances, then, um, then, then sometimes they turn out. 
Now, forgive me if I'm if I've if I've um, seen this wrong, but don't you DJ in some kind of high tech helmet like Daft Punk or something <laughs> yeah. like that? What a silly idea it was when we came up with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know what? No, it it, it looks cool. Um, it, it you know it gets a lot of a lot of coverage. Um, it, it's iconic. Um, it stands out. Um, but when you're DJing with a helmet. And a leather jacket on in forty-five degree heat in 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 Putrajaya or, or Santiago, it, it's not the most pleasant things to be honest. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean the, the helmet's gone through a lot of different stages. When we first started, um, when we first started the actual, when I came up with the first idea, you know, we we didn't know who to turn to to actually. Um, uh, to to get these designs done, so we were actually using a, a mascot company, and um, and the actual helmet itself was a lot bigger than the one now. I mean, you'd struggle to walk through the door. It was quite uh, it was quite amusing. But now the actual um, now the actual design is done by a special effects company who do a lot of stuff for uh, the likes of um, uh, Wonder Woman, uh, Batman. Uh, they did all of the Alien movies. So, I mean, you go into these guys' warehouses and they've got all of this kit there. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty incredible. So it's just, you know, it, it, the mind boggles thinking about this. And this is an audio, of course. So we're going to describe this for people. We're going to, we're going to dig into exactly what you, you know, what you do. So, so, your your job is to provide the soundtrack as the cars are racing. Is that how it works? And then I'm going to guess you get to play after parties and stuff yeah. as well. But what's the kind of big bit? What's the big part of the job that the music is needed for? Um, so, I mean, I, I cover everything. I mean, I, with, with other producers and, and engineers, we write the music for the actual TV broadcast. So the music that you hear when you're watching the form, Formula E on TV, um, from anything from the title music through to, um, you know, bed music when the tables are up. Uh, and they're reviewing who, what position drivers are in to music that's being played when they're showing a feature on the city or anything of those sort of lines. So we write all the music for the TV broadcast. Then as me as a DJ, uh, I'm performing all through the race day and any events that are related to Formula E. So the race day consists of um, uh, the actual race itself. And we've got special bits of music that I've created that, um, that, that, that when the cars are getting ready on the track and you've got to remember these cars are electric. So when they're actually sitting there waiting for the lights to go out, it, it's silent. So we've produced mm. sort of like some rumbling music and sort of real sort of like atmospheric music that builds and builds and builds as these, as the, as the, as the lights are starting to go out. And as soon as the lights go out, boom, you're off and you go into a DJ mix. And then that mix is, is played as the, as the cars are racing around the track. Then we've got the eSports. Um, so uh, we've got um, the Formula E e-race where the fans actually get to race alongside uh, the actual drivers in our gaming zone, which is within our entertainment area. So I supply all of the music for that, and that's quite fun as well. It's very similar to what I do for the race with the build-up and then the actual mix in the background. And then you've got the shows and and, and the after parties. So um, show-wise, I mean, the biggest one I did was in Saudi Arabia uh, at the beginning of last season where we had three shows over three nights uh, and I was warming up for David Guetta, One Republic, Black Eyed Peas, Jason Derulo, and I would never have thought I'd warm up for this guy, Enrique Iglesias. Uh, but that was oh, that, well, there you go. That was uh, that was very cool. It was the first ever um, concert. It was the first ever concerts in Saudi Arabia where men and women 
a mixed crowd of men and, men and women could actually dance next to each other. So essentially, I've, I've tried to contact the Guinness Book of Records about this, but they said because it, were, it couldn't be broken, I couldn't go into the Guinness Book of Records, which was a shame. But I was technically the first ever DJ to play to a mixed crowd of men and women dancing next to each other in Saudi Arabia, which, you know, I will hold my hands up and say I'm very, very proud of that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a milestone, isn't it? It's yeah, like, uh, yeah, very cool. Like the Berlin Wall coming down or something, at least as far as uh, Saudi women are concerned. That's a great one to have been involved in. Uh, and I actually saw Enrique Iglesias. He wasn't very good. He performed uh, performed last weekend at the Gibraltar International Festival. Oh, really? No music festival. No. no, he had market. He had problems with his earpiece. It wasn't. It wasn't his. Uh, wasn't his finest moment. But anyway, bad, bad work. Um, always blames his tools, man. Ah, uh, well, that could be true. Liam Liam Gallagher did a, did a better job beforehand. Actually, indeed, indeed. Um, anyway. Anyway, we digress. So, <laughs> so yeah. So when you so this is kind of like curation, isn't it? It's as much about curating an event as just playing music. And I guess there's an element of pre-planning in the DJing, right? You can't just do your own thing. It's got to be. It's got to be a lot of planning goes into it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so. I mean, the mixers you can't really have any vocals on them. Um, so if we're talking about the actual race itself, yeah. Um, so we've got so to control the music at the start of the race um, because it's being linked to exactly what's happening on the on the TV show. So what people watching on the TV and listening to is exactly what people were seeing on the track and listening mm-hmm. to actually at the actually at the race itself. Um, so I've got TV screens in front of me in the DJ booth and I can see exactly what's happening on TV. So we've got a, an Ableton push unit that I've divided. I'm not using it to its full capability, to be honest, and I'd love to be able to learn how to use it to its full capability. But um, what I've done is in all of the different pads or on all the different sessions, I've, I've divided up uh, all of the different bits of music that we use. So what I can do is I can actually sort of move it on to the next section of that track or the next scene of that track um as as the as it sort of builds as the atmosphere builds on the on the tv if you like because they never know how long um how long it's going to be i mean it's it's generally about sort of five six minutes but you don't know when it's going to cut off or when you need to end the track so you sort of got all of the bits of music divided up that you can sort of build and build and build at your own time um mm-hmm. and try and cut to what's happening on the tv um that when that does happen, when you when it when it cuts and it, it flips to the next scene or, or next camera on the TV, and you've you've pressed the next scene button and you, you're off to the next bit. When that happens, and that it's as if it's sort of been the video's been mixed already to then music put behind it, but it's yeah. it's actually live. So that's 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 really cool, and I enjoy doing that. Um, and then actually the, the the DJ mixes themselves to the racing. You can't have any vocals in the track, so you have to be very cautious about what music that you're using um you have to be able to loop stuff when it you know if we hit a red flag um or or um you know or a or a you know or a safety car comes out because you want to you don't want thumping music while that's going because it doesn't really make sense so Mm, um, you have to sort of choose your tracks wisely choose your tracks with not too much not like three minute breakdowns because you've got three minutes breakdown in the track and the car's racing around the track. It's just like, it doesn't really make sense. So you really do have to sort of be quite clever with the, with the, with the music that you're using. Um, Essentially what I'd, what I'd love to be able to get to is, you know, using like a push controller or something like that, where you've got all of the tracks divided up. It's all of your own music. And then what you can do is you can actually orchestrate your music live to, to, to the race. Um, and then you can sort of drop it down at your own free will, beat it up, speed it up at your own free will, switch it when the cars drive over the finish line. That will be that's the dream. But um, 
you know that's a it's, that's a lot of work in itself so i haven't quite <laughs> haven't quite got there yet but uh, it's it's really so working the- with what we're doing it's cool, you know, I guess because they've got commentators, right? So you can't have vocal tracks. Yeah, anyway. exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So you have wow, to- so, so I didn't realise quite as much had to go into it. Uh, so, 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 all right, then, let's, let's kind of re- rewind a bit because we talked a little bit earlier about right time, right place and all this stuff. But, you know, you've got to be on the field to get these, to get these opportunities. You, you know, it's not going to come to you sat in your bedroom dreaming, right? And you had 10 years leading up to this moment where – you kind of you kind of landed this gig and it's now taking you around the world and uh, and you know it's become your the last half decade of your life you had 10 years leading up to that mm. so way before all of that how did you get into all of this what happened at school were you i always ask this question because it's normally the answer is yes were you kind of the odd kid out who was into electronic music and everyone else thought you were a bit weird yeah or was it kind of what you were all into how, how did how did it all start for you um well i mean i'd, I'd you know, love of music and i think a love of music definitely comes from your from your parents so you know from going away on holiday and we'd always drive to places if we were going to like france or italy or anywhere like that and you'd always have you know uh, eric clapton would be on the on the, as, as a city or your six cds that you had in the back of the car in a little uh one of those little sort of um what do you call it um sort of um wait, auto yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah i remember them i remember them so if you have your six cds so in there would be you know there'd be a there'd be a bob dylan there would be a, a an eric clapton there would be a fleetwood mac you know you get and actually probably absolutely killing my cred here there was actually les miserables so put me in front of a les miserables musical i can sing you all of the words <laughs> 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 um and um you know so you sort of grow up and then you sort of moved on sort of like early teens you know massive fan of gun and guns and roses um and 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 you know really sort of like 12 13 years old sort of smashing guns and roses out in your in your bedroom and then i discovered uh hardcore and that literally just changed my life and i think i discovered hardcore at about 14 which would have been so, show my age here again. Um, so, 1994, 1993, 94, when it was just sort of like switching from hardcore and drum and bass was sort of like separating out and you had happy hardcore and drum and bass, hardcore, old school, whatever, all of that mismatch of stuff. And, um, you know, sort of really started going and, and, and getting the tapes for those and getting the big stacks of tapes from Dreamscapes and Helter Skelters and all, all of the side of that. And then as soon oh, as... I bet some, some people will be remembering that. Those <laughs> massive, they were like huge, weren't they? They were like... You couldn't you couldn't fit these tape packs in the overhead in the overhead locker on a plane. They were massive yeah, things. They were fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely loved them. I really wish I'd still. I think I probably got like one or two still in the loft, but uh, I wish I'd, they've sort of slowly gone missing. And ones would go missing because you'd lend your lend your mate DJ Brisk, yeah. and, you know, and you'd never ever get it back. <laughs> never lend music uh, out. No, hey, that's yeah, the lesson. Yeah. Unwritten rule of DJing. Um, and then. So, so then from, from getting into the music and then slowly getting to sort of old enough, sort of like 15, 16 to be able to start getting into clubs going to labyrinth in in dalston um and then traveling up to sort of the the sanctuary for help skelters and and dreamscapes and going to sheps and mallet and sort of traveling all over the country really on in in the uk rave scene i think that i mean i look back on those days now and you you know you got sort of look back at sort of times in your life and you realize how lucky you were to have experienced that because you know there were no mobile phones there was you know there was no social media it was just thousands of people in a field in a in a warehouse just raving and and not giving a not not a care in the world um and and that was really the the start for me for 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 dance music and then 
you go through the motions of, you know, I mean, I stayed with hardcore for a good few years. Uh, and then you got into, then I moved over to hard house. Then you move over to house. And then in 2000, I actually came and lived in Ibiza for the summer. Um, and, you know, brought, brought a record box over here, like DJ's dream, wanting to, wanting to, wanting to get gigs. And, you know, it never, never quite works out because you get here and there's a million and one people all wanting to do what you, what you're doing. So I did what I, you know, what my job was in the UK. I became a waiter at one of the sunset bars, Savannah. And then we'd go and do a few gigs here and there. And how I used to do that, I used to go and sort of play for free at the nighttime, party all morning and then go to work in the evening and I'd do exactly the same the following night. And I wouldn't have a hope in hell in doing it. I'll give it a good go nowadays, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, definitely couldn't go as, as as long as that. And then I, you know, I was I was back and forth here over four years, um, working every summer, um, sort of slowly working my way up more through the promoter um, levels, and and then sort of with with being a promoter, obviously the the DJ came alongside that because you just play at your own parties and be greedy. Um, and you know, I got to work for some incredible people. Worked for Manny Mission, worked for Eden, which is now absolutely flying. Um, with uh, and it's gone back to its sort of glory days of, of then when they were getting thousands of people through and defected, being there really have sort of brought the numbers through back to back to San Antonio over the last over the last few years. Um, and uh, then worked for who else? I worked for MTV. I worked for a sunset bar called Kenya, which in its time was absolutely incredible. And then from doing parties at Kenya, met lots of amazing people. And one of those amazing people was a guy called Barry Mack. And he was a promoter from Liverpool who ran a nightclub called Garlands. And me and Barry clicked immediately. And he's still a very, very, very good friend. Um, um, now, I literally spoke to him a couple of days ago. And, uh, and and worked alongside with him for the Garlands parties here. And they got voted by Mixmag as the best parties of the summer. Um, probably to do by the what the punch was handing out at the door and what, <laughs> what uh, got everybody in the party mood. Uh, and and then moved up to Liverpool and, and lived in Liverpool for two years and helped them promote Garlands up there. And that was a great time of life as well. But I knew that if I stayed in Liverpool, then it would be it would be the death of me because we really were. I mean, when you're involved in sort of like a... Uh, a gay friendly club that is the most popular nightclub in a very small city um, and you're partying every weekend I was just like I've, I've got to get back home and lucky enough I was you know I've got a job working for a, a student promotion company um, down in down in London that wanted to work at Ministry of Sound I wanted to have the night at Ministry of Sound I had a good friend who was working at Ministry of Sound and um, we got the student night in which was called Come Play uh, and then that was my introduction into into ministry, and then from that student night, they asked me to come on board and work with them full time, and that was the start of my ten year ten year uh, experience with with one of the best nightclubs in the world. So there was a good kind of like five years of, of partying, but working, uh, doing the the kind of stuff you can only do when you're young, right? Yeah, you just need to have unlimited yeah. energy at that. At that and, and, possible. And, and to be honest, the partying didn't stop when I started working at ministry either. That carried, I, was, <laughs> I was still reasonably young. So, uh, but it was, you know, and then at ministry, you know, working, came on board with the street promotion team, but then also, or heading the street promotion team, but then heading the student night there. And then an opportunity came up within the events department um, which was, you know, which was a great opportunity to travel the world and, and, and put ministry events on all over the world. And as soon as I did that, they realised that I was actually quite a good DJ as well, and asked me if I wanted to um, wanted to start gigging for the for the nights as well, and you know, taking taking the brand on tour. And I think it was two thousand beginning of two thousand and six. Ministry bought Head Candy, uh, and I was, you know, I was 
because I was a part of the events team, I, I came in one day and, you know, they'd acquired this massive, massive brand and, it, and Head Candy was, it was a huge, huge brand in its day. And, uh, and, and I basically put together the, the, the team that, um, that then sort of took it to next heights and but say put together the team I was there when it when it started and then we brought in brand managers and 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 you know full full DJ squad I think at one time we had about 35 DJs on our roster because we had so many so many gigs all over the all over the world mm. but uh, that that was that was really cool I mean head candy was a fantastic time in my life as well uh, and uh, yeah, and and slowly worked through worked through the ranks and stayed running head candy, but then moved on to running ministry as well, and then became head of events and was there as head of events for maybe one and a half years before the opportunity came up with um, uh, with with Formula E. So I mean, ministry is a famously hard place to work at. They don't suffer fools, and you've got to put your you've got to put your hours in. So you clearly had a sense of of the business and getting stuff done and managing and the kind of the kind of unglamorous side of this whole industry Spread, and, spreadsheets yeah spreadsheet i mean after did, spreadsheet were, after spreadsheet yeah <laughs> were you did, did was your schooling was your academic life any help in leading up to that or did you just kind of learn on your feet um i think i mean i, I was quite lucky with sort of like my my teenage well early teenage years with school I was at a very good school and I you know got good GCSEs but I then I then moved to uh Richmond College um in Twickenham and all of a sudden from being schooled and being told that you you know learn 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 and and being and it being spoon fed to you really to then go into a college where you know do as you please <laughs> don't uh, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna force you to work you've got you've got to work yourself I I, I that didn't agree with me I just had I realised <laughs> that I could just do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted so you know I, I had a good, I had good education but um but I, you know I didn't get any A levels or or anything like that but I think it just it just wasn't. I, you know, I look back now, and I'm, you know, I've done various courses. I've done event management courses. I've done music production courses. You know, in in like over the last sort of course of ten years, so I do very much enjoy studying, and I can and I can really, you know, if, if my head's if if I if I focus on something, it's it's not a problem to to do it. But yeah, I mean, I think I mean, Ministry of Sound was like a school, really. You know, it taught you. It taught you business. It taught you how to run businesses. It, 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 you know, it taught you how to deal with people. I mean, you're dealing with people all over the world. So, I mean, for me, I mean, I've got a little girl who's who's 14 months old, and the biggest lesson I think to that, that that she can that I would like to teach to her is 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 people skills. You know, if you can get on with people, and if you're you know if you're a likable person that is savvy and 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 switched on, then that is going to get you a hell of a lot further than a GCSE or A level in maths in in my in mm. my eyes anyway you know it might be might be different different in other people's eyes yeah there's certainly certainly a lot of truth in that for sure um, and it is a people game isn't it it's a case of you can't do anything without a, a, a full contact book and these aren't just names they're people you know and people that will talk to you when you mm. when you want to talk and there's a difference between hassle and hassle and asking right there's a difference between being that person that people cross the street because they they know you're going to be on their case and and being someone who's kind of got their interest at heart as well and you learn that right you learn that as you're as you're doing this game because there's no rule book yeah yeah exactly i mean it is you you, you have to you, you kind of, as you say you kind of make it up as you go along but mm. um but i do think you know it's, it, and it, it again it stems from your parents it stems from your friends around you it stems who you surround yourself with 
um, that uh, that you know you learn from you learn from everybody, and you 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 can you know you pick up people's skills, you pick up people's um, mannerisms, and, and all along those sort of lines. So it's it's definitely it's 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 to do with yourself, but definitely to do with the people around you as well. Mm. So, all right, then let's talk about music production because you have uh, dabbled in music production as well. What under what pseudonym? What what do releases come out? Um, Everything is out as EJ. Um, so, okay. uh, so original first sort of four tracks that I re- uh, was it a couple of, couple of years ago um, went out on Armada. Um, so we had a, a, a remix and then three original tracks: uh, one more night fire in your heart and don't take it away. Uh, they all went out on Armada, captivating. Um, and then I was lucky enough to meet Gareth Emery and the Garuda team, uh, who really liked what I was doing across um, across the, the Formula E side of stuff. So then I had another um, two or three releases with them, I think it was. Um, and, and then I've released a compilation album or a soundtrack album for Formula E. Because a, lo- a lot of the stuff that I was producing, when I first started doing the EJ side of stuff, um, I thought, you know, what is what's going to work to the actual race in itself? What is going to what what's what crowd are going to um, sort of open their arms up a little bit to me because I've got a, a, a light up helmet and stuff like that. So, <laughs> um, you know, and, and I in my early years in the late nineties, you know, very very fond of trance, um, and I thought, you know, a trance will really work for for the actual racing. Uh, it's energetic. It's high octane. Um, that you know, let's 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 go down that route and see where we get to. So you know, all, a, lot, a lot of the stuff. I mean, it's progressive trance. It's not like you know, one. It's all the maximum I think I did was like one thirty two, but um, BPM. But I still wasn't one hundred percent feeling. It. I was producing the music and you know, working with engineers to to help me because you know I can come up with melodies and I've got a bait, I've, I've got an understanding of tune structure. I've got an understanding of you know start, middle, and ends and breakdowns and everything like that. But to actually, you know, you need to be an absolute super wizard to get a record sounding incredible. So you know, I'm lucky lucky enough to work with with some engineers who who help me with that as well. Um, but, um, you know, with the trance side of stuff, I still was a bit like, it's not coming and me, it's not really oozing out of me from, 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 from the heart. I like it, but it's, it's, I know I, there's, there's other sounds that I like and, you know, progressive house for me has always been, you know, up there with emotion, and you know, if if you get the right progressive house, obviously you can get the sort of real down tempo stuff that is such such a wide wide view on everything. But it's still when you when you actually do got a good progressive house track, it still crosses over into trance. So recently, with all of the stuff that I'm working on now, it's very much a lot more slowed down um, to to sort of between one twenty four and one twenty six, maybe pushing to one twenty eight on on some tracks. But it's much more along the sort of more swaying towards progressive house than the 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 sort of more trancey releases that I've that I've released in the past. Mm. So I mean, you've got an old, you, as you say, you've got an audience to write for as well. How 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 important is it to be kind of pragmatic when you are trying to have a career and trying to get forward in this game? So you know, we all know what we kind of listen to in the car late at night on our own but that's just for us right and mm. as soon as you're starting to include other people and as soon as you're starting to include situations 
how important is it to say, as you just said, you know, well, what's going to work? What mm. can I get away with? What can't mm. I get away with? Mm. And but but at the same time, just like you were just saying, including something to keep you excited, mm. is it is it a danger that you're going to go too far in the other direction and just not be feeling it? Um, just as dangerous as it would be to just do what you want and then no one else is feeling it right. How do you find that middle ground? Yeah, I, and I think this is where. You know, when you actually break as an artist, you, you, it's kind of, again, right place, right time, right genre. Um, I, I th- you know, and, and a lot of musicians, you know, a lot of musicians and artists, they'll, they will, um, they'll produce music for a very long time before they get, before they get recognized. And literally it's just because, you know, the, mu- the music that they're producing, the, that genre isn't in, isn't in fashion at the moment. Mm. So, you know, if you wanted to, you know, tech house, for example, you know, that's the, that's, let's say that's the big, that's the big, uh, that's the big sort of trend at the moment. You know, if you wanted to try and break into that, if you wanted to try and break as an artist, would, would you just go, oh, you know, sod it, I'm going to go and make a load of tech house. But then there's a million other tech house producers out there all trying to do exactly the same thing. And then it gets sort of lost in this sort of like mishmash of, not that not that good of music really because everybody's you know we, we just I mean we'll go into this in a minute but I'm in Ibiza at the moment I was just sitting around the pool um with uh, with my girlfriend and that every single record is that same tech house uh pitch down vocal um and it just like just, everything just sounds the same just the same just the same but then you know you 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 do something like marshmallow did where he, you know, he produced a a bassier sound, sort of crossing over trap with 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 uh, dubstep, with you know, with with even with with house, and he's got this sort of like mashup of of everything, and you know, he's been very clever with his marketing, so he's you know been very successful. And then again, you go into Chainsmokers, and I've read read articles on Chainsmokers that they actually produced music for the masses because they knew what that what they wanted. It wasn't necessarily what they liked, but they knew exactly what people wanted. So that's the music that they produced. And, you know, I mean, hey-ho, biggest DJ, big, biggest grossing DJs in, in, in mm. the world this year. Um, but it, it's, it's, very, it's very, very difficult. And it's just, it's just one of those that, you just you you're lucky to you know if you if you break as a as an artist with with music that you actually really really like like producing or or making i think of people like simon dunmore from from defected who stuck to his guns for a decade when when it was out of fashion what mm. he was doing and then it sort of course come right round again and as you say uh you know, defected doing very well in Ibiza and in London, and it's all kind of come together. But that that was an example of just sticking to your guns, wasn't it? Yep, yeah, exactly. And uh, but they did. I mean, they did a very clever rebrand. I mean, they rebranded when I was at um, when I was at uh, Ministry, and that really ruffled the feathers of Ministry because literally, you know, they 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 did a very very clever rebrand. I think the the brand director of head candy ended up leaving head candy and going over to work to defected because you know they were cooler they had the you know they had the they had the djs they you know they they went with headline dj talent they rebranded themselves they stuck to that housier sound and i mean that you know look look at them now they're doing they're mm. they're absolutely everywhere but then you have to question or this would be my question is that they're now everywhere they're now got that mass market they're now pushing events out all over the world are they going to fall into the trap that Head Candy did when Head Candy tried to then go really sort of mass market and push it out into every, every end of the world? And then you lose your, 
you lose your um, core audience and so you know everything is stuff can be a victim of its a victim of its own success i just hope that that defected sort of keep that keep that niche and keep that keep going as as they do because they are a fantastic brand and i've got a i've got a lot of friends that work for defected as well mm. and really 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 happy that they're doing so well so we're talking about your music kind of a progressive year end of of trance music and it's never gone away i mean our audience i'll tell you this for a fact whenever we mention trance we get hands going up left right and center you know everyone absolutely loves <laughs> trance but it's one of those genres that has kind of gone out of fashion and not not come back yet mm. but it's due a comeback isn't it it must be the only genre of dance music that that hasn't had its big comeback yet do you see yep. that being something on the on the horizon uh, definitely. And, and I mean, but I see it coming back as a slightly different form. I don't think, I think coming back as the, you know, the 138 BPM banging trance that, you know, that, that, that you know, that your likes of Paul Van Dyke were playing and stuff like that. I mean, they, they still have, they, they've got a, a night here in Ibiza called Shine and a friend of mine, Nick Ferguson runs it and they're, they're absolutely rocking it. It's, it, it's packed. But I think on a, if it was to go on a mass commercial level again, it would have to sort of have those again. It's it's going back to that progressive sound, but on a trancier vibe. Mm. Um, so it you, you know you slow it down, but it's still got those big anthemic drops. It's still got those big synths. It's still got like you know horny vocals over the top of it. But I think that it just needs to slow down just just that bit, and and so that it just becomes a little bit more accessible. Yeah, kind of makes sense. Well, we'll what definitely watch. Watch this space for that one. I think it's probably probably Drew. So you're you're in Ibiza at the moment, uh, which again people will be thinking, this guy's got a decent life. Sit, <laughs> sitting around the pool, slagging off the music. It's a busman's <laughs> holiday, right? It's, it's impossible for DJs to go anywhere where there's music or DJs without that feeling. Is that is that true? Is that fair? <laughs> yeah, definitely. It doesn't help when you when your girlfriend's a DJ as well. So we're just sitting there just Man. like, hey, hey, shut up. What's this? <laughs> <laughs> Must be horrible putting music on in your house. Like, you know, as soon as you put something on, what's this? What's this you're putting on? Yeah, but do you know, do you know what makes it fun now? As I said, I mean, I've got a little fourteen-year-old girl, uh, fourteen, fourteen-year-old, fourteen-month-old girl, and uh, and she's just starting to really sort of walk. And when music comes on, I mean, she stops in her tracks and literally just starts jigging. So you'd hope that it's uh, with with uh, with parents as DJs and and involved in music, you would hope that some of that is. Uh, is going to rub off on her, but I think already. I mean, it's great when we were we were sitting around the pool and you know, music's playing, and she's there with people laughing at her because she's just standing still, dripping wet after getting out the pool and sort of bobbing along to the tune. So and she doesn't care. It, she doesn't she care. Really care. Tech house. As long as it's got a beat to it, yeah, she'll yeah. be dancing to it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so let's let's talk seriously about that because I quite often ask people, "How do you deal with family and and work?" You know, the two certainly with club DJing and stuff. The two struggle to go hand in hand sometimes and I guess in your household having two of you DJing and uh, uh you know and this this new family unit must have its own challenges as well so how do you deal with it how do you what have you changed what do you see changing in the future to kind of like carry on uh with the family it, it's tough you know I mean it really is tough and you know we've we've gone through like literally over probably the last couple of months we have gone through some stages where you, I'm, I'm going away or I've got meetings and and or I've got to go and visit somebody or be out the country and especially when the Formula E season kicks back in as well because I'm out the country a hell of a lot mm. and it is it's it's 
it's difficult. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a, a girlfriend who's involved in the scene before we had Cleo. So she kind of understands. But you do, you definitely have to sort of make sacrifices. And I've learned that. I mean, talk about real time, real time situations. Uh, I had a call this morning um, with, a, with a festival promoter in London and he, he couldn't, he took the call, but he said, look, I'm having another day off today. And I said, all right, look, I'll give you a call tomorrow. And as soon as I put that phone, the phone down, Phoebe, Phoebe said, well, why don't you just call him Friday when you're back from holiday? And it's, it, it was very much, I'm very much one of those people that just, I get, when I, when I want to get stuff done, I just get stuff done. But I definitely think as soon as you get sort of families and kids involved, you need to have that time when you go, right, this, this is time for the family. You know, we're here, we're here in Ibiza. We're here. We're only here for, we're only here till Thursday evening. It's literally just a fly and visit just a few days away in the sun. Um, but you know, but you know, why, why couldn't my brain just go, well, look, you know, easy enough to say, look, okay, you can't do the call today. Let's speak Friday when I'm back in the office or, or, or back and, you know, we can have this conversation. So I think what I'm starting to learn is that as lot, you, you know, you can be busy, you can be traveling, you can be doing whatever you need to do. But when you get home, when you're, when you've got that time, that is the time that you spend with your family and you make it absolutely quality time. And then if your other other partner is either involved in the scene or not involved in the scene or, or anything along those sort of lines, you make sure that they've got time to do what they want to do as well so that they're not, um, you know, that, 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 that there isn't sort of any clashes sort of coming up. So it's, it's a good balance of, 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 of trying to get it right. And I haven't got it right yet. No, well, right, but, uh, I think any parents uh, listening to this will just be <laughs> nodding along saying, dude, you're never going to get it right. It's all a learning curve. Well, I guess you've got the experience of learning everything as you've been going along. So, you know, child, having a child in the house is just another one, right? It's just another. Another one, yeah, but it does make it, um, I mean, it makes it a lot of fun. And I think now as well, it's sort of the, when they come into that age of, you know, they're not just a, a ball on their back that's, that's mm. you know, just not doing anything. They're actually running around. And then again, but then a good friend of mine said, give it a couple of weeks, mate, and you'll be saying you just want to sit in on your back again. <laughs> well, yeah, the um, trouble uh, is when, when they can move, but they haven't got a clue why they're moving or what, what yeah, walked around the corner. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Remember it but, well. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so, all right then. So, you know, there's uh, changes going on right now, family and so on. What's the plan for the next 10 years? Do you see yourself continuing the formula e stuff have you got other ambitions that, that when the time's right you, you're going to feel the itch and want to have a go at what's the what's the kind of bigger plan um so we <laughs> it, it it's, something's come up recently which is a bit of a mad one um but i mean I, i'm for, talking about formula e formula e i, I want to continue for for as long as i can because i absolutely love it you know we haven't we haven't or i haven't made ej as much as a success as i would like um yet uh i think there's a lot more that the music that i'm working on now is 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 a lot more is stuff that i feel i love much more from the heart um so i can't wait to sort of get that out we've got um, a, a compilation the sounds of formula e uh, sorry the soundtrack formula e the soundtrack volume two we released one last year but uh formula e the soundtrack volume two will be out at the start of uh, next season, which is the end of November, and that will consist of some original material from myself, and then other, you know, other tracks that, that I really like of artists all over the world. Mm. Um, it will start off quite slow, um, sort of one, one twenty, one twenty-two, and move forward to the more sort of like main, main, main room, you know, big, big room festival stuff that that I that I, that I play when I'm playing to bigger crowds. Um, 
So that's one project. I've got an album uh, that's co- that's coming out end of next year. Sorry, beginning of next year as well. Probably Q two of next year, to be honest. At the rate that I'm going up with it, uh, and that will be again. That's going to be sort of twelve tracks, um, a mixture of, of of different genres of of what I like, but still falling in very much to the EJ persona that I've created. Um, and I'm all for, and this is this is a wild card, and I'm going to throw it in here anyway because you know talking talking to you, but, and it's been a very very nice chat. Um, I've, I'm looking very closely at what's happening in the hemp world at the moment, the legal hemp world, and hemp mm-hmm. is like because of it's the a big business, isn't it? It's a it's big a business, big, big big business. Um, and but what's incredible is that all of the things that this that this plant can do um, for for you know pretty much help or, or saving saving this planet from climate change or, or, or whatever you want to call it climate change or or air, or, or air pollution to uh, global poverty to, to to solving global poverty to cleaning up the oceans um, with 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 plastics because you can produce bioplastics from hemp uh, you can give farmers back the power in these third world countries to produce hemp and and use it for all of its properties and you can sort of help you know clean the air from from what the amount of the amount of pollution that this um plant can suck in and the less products that you're uh, that, that you're putting out there that uh, that put carbon dioxide into the air so looking very closely with that looking at linking up festivals around the world um that, that, are, that are already involved sort of in the cannabis movement but um you know but very much focusing on the hemp side of stuff because i've been hopefully helping save the world for the last five years with formula e, and if we can move over to this side and, and help it even more um, and we can put EJ in front of that audience alongside it. That kills two birds with one stone. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's nice to hear. It's nice to hear a bigger picture there. Nice to hear a bigger concern than than just you know just where you're where you're at right now. But I do have a final final question I want to ask you. Have you ever been so engrossed in watching the racing uh, around the track that something's happened and you've forgotten to press? the right button or mix the right track in or, or, or what's your worst it, 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 nah, it, it definitely i mean you if you especially i mean the, the racing can be so exciting but so I, the, I mean probably stopping the wrong record is is the worst and the, the the actually aside from the racing the worst time that ever did that was on the terrace at space when we had head candy there and the old i think it's coo or ceo of um of ministry of sound steve canueto was in the dj booth hang, hang to, on a second hang on a second sam did you just say Steve Canuetto? Uh, yes. It's, I'll tell you what, it's a small, small world. Because um, for any listeners who don't know Digital DJ Tips, Steve is uh, Steve is our Scratch tutor. He, he's the tutor of our Scratch course. Incredible. He used to work at Ministry of Sound. And I never thought you two would cross paths because you were a bit later than Steve. How is Steve? I haven't seen he's him awesome. for years. He's awesome. But I'll tell you what, he's about. I think he's about to hang his head in shame when he hears this. <laughs> So, so I'm sorry, just, Steve. Just, I'm sorry, Steve. Let's just reset the. Let's reset what's going on here. You're DJing. You're DJing. Um, and you are. You said space. In Ibiza, uh, sp- right? Space in Ibiza. Yeah, on the terrace. So is, we had we had is, one we had one season there when we had Head Candy on the terrace. Well, we actually took over the whole club. We had we had Head Candy as a brand as it is on on the on the terrace. Uh, this and is then, iconic, right? Yeah. This is this is the every DJ's dream gig. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And so you're you're in that you're in that booth. No doubt it was being recorded or broadcast, or you know this wasn't going to be. It's being recorded that... on uh, on on global radio, or global Ibiza, or Sonica Radio, or something like that. And, um, uh, and what and happened? I, well, Steve was in the DJ booth, and he was trying to get my attention to speak to me, and I was in the middle of a mix, and I kept saying to it in a set, in a set. But obviously, during that time, he'd he'd sort of put me off a little 
little bit and um <laughs> and uh and i went to go and eject the cd which i thought was the right cd to eject to put the next one in and it wasn't it was the cd that was playing all of the music went off uh recorded live on on one of the radio stations over here the whole crowd cheers you can hear it on the recording and uh, and all you can hear over everything is my little voice going, sorry. So, uh, Steve, thank you very much for that. Sorry, I've I've mentioned that. I do apologise. Oh, it's all a long time ago now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Steve, getting in our faces when we're meant to be working is still the same, you know. Oh, it's a great. That's a lovely, lovely, lovely story to end off on. Uh, well, please there, send now. send my love to Steve. Steve, hope we hope you well, man. Cool. Well, listen, uh, it's been lovely talking to you. Thank you very much for sharing this amazing journey so far. Really interesting to hear about the hemp thing, you know, this electric cars, this kind of uh, environmentally friendly things obviously rubbing off on you. And I would be interested to hear how the balancing of family and work and stuff carries on. Maybe you can come back again in a couple of years and tell us how it's all going. Would love to. Would love to. Thank you very much for having me this time. Yeah. EJ, Sam, thank you very much for your time today. See you soon. Take it easy. Cheers. Bye. Bye.